Hi, uh, my name is Colin Weber. Uh, we attend here my, with my wife, Terry Lynn. Uh, my daughter, Michaela, is up in the Sunday school, and this is James. Uh, we have been honored to be a part of the TCC family for eight years, and uh, it's been a wonderful time. Uh, we were gone the last two Sundays, one for Thanksgiving and one to see my nephew get baptized last week, and as good as those things were, it's good to be home. It's good to be here at TCC. This is our family, and we have certainly enjoyed being a part of this family. We will be reading from Exodus 20, verse 12, and 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, from the New International Version. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. The word of the Lord. Thanks, James. It's fitting for James to read Exodus 20. And I'm sure when you heard that long list that James read, or sorry, that Colin read, uh, we don't normally think of being disobedient to our parents as a sign of the last days, or being ungrateful for that matter. And yet Paul lists those among many other descriptors of a world in chaos, a culture that turns its back on God, worships its own way. Thankfully, <clears throat> God has given us a better way. Today we want to explore the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Now this was an interesting message to study and prepare for for me. It was one of those weeks where uh, I spent some time obviously reflecting on my relationship with my parents, and if you've been tracking with us, you'll know that my father recently passed away. My mom passed away in May of 2012, Tina's mom passed away then uh, in November of 2013, and then sort of for the last 10 years, <clears throat> we've navigated kind of caring for our elderly fathers. And, uh, and for my dad, it was a, a journey through dementia, and so it was a long goodbye. And then Tina's dad passes away in July, and, uh, and then my dad here in September. And quite quickly, there was this realization that... Um, yeah, how do, how do I honor my parents now? How do I honor my mother and father? And I thought a lot about how I did live out this commandment in that time. And there were times where it was a bit convicting and sobering as well. Well, we've been studying the Ten Commandments the past four weeks in a series we've called The Way. We're all looking for a way to live so that we we flourish, right? So that we have this abundant life that Jesus talked about, that we would have this good life. The truth is that God, our creator, who knows what is best for us, established a way for us to live so that we can, in, in fact, experience freedom. It's his way, God's way, 
or as one author titled his book on the Ten Commandments, Pathway to Freedom. Well, God gave us then the ten words. And these ten words, as they're known in the Hebrew, capture for us a a moral ethic, a, a way to live, both in relationship to God and to others. The Ten Commandments are not so much to be seen as a ladder that we climb to sort of get closer to God. You know, did it, did it, did it, I'm struggling here. Uh, But rather we should see it more accurately as a mirror in which we see ourselves. And then ultimately we see our need for a Savior. And so far we've considered the first four commandments, and if you've missed any of them, and this is your your first Sunday maybe with us or online, I encourage you to just go to YouTube and you can find the last four uh, services there and the messages as well, and they're available on Apple Podcasts and places like that. But so far we've looked at the way of an undivided heart. You shall have no other gods before me. Or the way of wholehearted trust. I just got a sign. That my mic was off. Thanks. The way of wholehearted trust, that you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. Then the third commandment, the way of bearing God's name, how we represent God and how we live out our life uh, has bearing on his name. So you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And then last week, Pastor Adam took us through a way of rest. Or remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And today, the way of honor. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Apostle Paul, in quoting this commandment in Ephesians 6, called it the first commandment with a promise. Now, depending on how you read the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment actually marks a bit of a turning point. It's quite common to group the Ten Commandments into these two categories that the first have to do with our relationship with God or this vertical relationship, and then the last six have to do with our relationship with others or this horizontal dimension. And we come to this kind of categorization quite honestly because when Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22 and then in Mark chapter 12, it's recorded as well, he says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He was trying to pin him down and saying, what is the most important thing? Where, where should my priorities be? And Jesus, being wise onto the question, responds with, love the Lord your God. With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he quickly adds, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, he says, hang on these two commandments. And so it was Jesus' way of taking all of the commandments, beyond the Ten Commandments even, all of the Old Testament, and, and just putting them into those two places. Love God and love others. And so in other words, loving God and loving others really encapsulates the entire Old Testament and forms ultimately the very core of a Christian ethic. Now Jewish scholars tended to divide the Ten Commandments into five and five, thereby including the honoring of parents under kind of love for God. And so honoring our parents' authority is part ultimately of how we honor God. Because he placed our parents in authority over us. Now, however we make this distinction, four and six, five and five, 
or just looking at all of them together, which I think is probably the best way for us to look at it, because we need to remember that how we treat others is in fact an expression of how we, of our worship and loyalty to God. That every part of life reflects our heart towards God. Now, just a quick example of this in the the narrative of Joseph in Genesis, where there's the account of, uh, let's just say, his interaction with Mrs. Potiphar or Potiphar's wife. Well, she took a liking to to Joseph because the text says that he was well-built and handsome. And so even if we haven't read the story before, we know where this is going. And she's very forward with him. And she says, ultimately, come to bed with me. Now, if I need to explain that anymore, her intent was not to have an afternoon nap, if you know what I mean. But Joseph, of course, refuses. And in refusing, he expresses his honor and his respect to Potiphar. He acknowledges that she, in fact, is his wife. And then he says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He doesn't say sin against you, which would be true, or sin against Mr. Potiphar, which would be true as well. But how could I sin against God? And so here she was pursuing him and tempting him to violate the seventh commandment, and Joseph saw that as sin against God. And so by loving others, we in fact demonstrate our love for God. My point is simply this, that in studying the Ten Commandments, It may be helpful to see them in different categories. It might help us to remember them. You know, there were four that related to God and six that related uh, to other people. But let's not forget that actually all ten of them reflect a proper attitude toward God. That this is the way that we love God, in fact. And so I'm going to ask some basic who, what, why, and how questions this morning to help us understand this fifth commandment and then apply it to the way that we live. So first of all, let's ask the question, who then are our parents? Now this would seem obvious, and for most it is. We all have a a mother that gave birth to us and a father who was part of that equation, and they raised us and nurtured us and took care of us. But for others, it may not be so obvious. What if you're adopted? What, you know, now you have birth parents and those that raised you. I know some that have been, been uh, the grandparents have been extensively involved in raising their children. And then you get into stepdads and stepmoms. And so you have all of these other configurations of family as well. Or maybe if you look at your parents and all you can think of is dysfunction and neglect and abuse. And a message like this is just hard because it raises so much pain and hurt. And what if you don't even know who your parents are or you've been estranged from them for a long time? Who are we then to honor? Now I'm sure just as you think about this question, you have somebody in mind and it maybe raises all sorts of questions for you. It's probably helpful to think of those that ultimately nurtured you in life and equipped you for life. Those that had the greatest impact and input in your life. Those who were the authority figure in your life. And for most of us, that's probably our biological mother and father. Now this, in in many ways, without going too deep into this tangent, 
Um, <clears throat> there's a whole message here really that could be given to the church as a whole in terms of the way that we look at authority in, in more general terms as well. And so you can look at how we can treat authority, whether they're our parents or others um, that are an authority over us in maybe a work capacity or else otherwise. So who is it that we're talking about? <clears throat> our mothers and fathers, those that nurtured and equipped us. Secondly, what does it then mean to honor? To honor literally means to state one is deserving of respect, attention, or love, and obedience. The Hebrew word for honor is kabed, which means to give weight to, to glorify, to esteem. And we've probably heard the expression, maybe we've even used it ourselves with our, with our kids, hopefully not too often, but this line, you know, you don't treat me with an ounce of respect. And what we're really saying is that we're not getting a big enough weight of respect. Our parents, God simply says, are to be respected. A lot. A ton. This weight of respect. In Leviticus 19, we have various laws laid out. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments on steroids. And in the opening verse, it's the Lord speaking to Moses, and God is instructing Moses to tell the Israelites, Be holy, because I am holy. I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then the very next verse, verse 3, says, each of you must respect your mother and father. And it's almost as if God anticipates the question, well, well, how then should we be holy? And he says, well, for starters, respect your mom and dad. And here the word translated respect means to have reverence for, to stand in awe of. How many of us can say that we've stood in awe and reverence of our parents? for bringing us to life, for their role in nurturing us, for the significance that they played in our lives. And so how do we, what does it mean to honor? Well, we show respect, we esteem them, we revere, we obey, we even glorify. Sounds a little bit like how we might treat God, right? It says something about the significance of this commandment and how we interact with our parents. So why should we honor our parents? Let's look at some other scriptures for reasons that we should honor our parents. For starters, it's the fifth commandment as we've looked at, so that's a good place to start. But a closer look at Exodus 20 verse 12 gives us another reason. Long life. He says, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your, giving, the Lord your God is giving you. Paul, remember I said, refers to this then as the promise of this commandment. Now when you read that, does it mean then that if we honor our parents, that we will live to be old, right? That we're going to live to a ripe old age? I remember when I was young, there was a, an older lady, a very old grandma that attended our church. Her name was Oma Zaida. Just a name like that refers to how old she might be. Uh, I think she was like 132 years old or something like that. And, um, and she would come every Wednesday. Her family would drop her off at our house. Uh, right around dinner time, we would be eating. But her family had some other commitments. And so they would drop her there. And then we would take her to the Wednesday night Bible and, uh, and prayer meeting, Bible study and prayer meeting at the church that we went to. And I remember me and my sisters, always, and the other thing was, she always gave us candy 
that was at least as old as she was. <clears throat> and I, I think I was in, like, in Sunday school, and we're studying these commandments, and I just remember making this connection going, you know, that Omazita, she is so old, she must have really honored her parents well. <laughs> but this long life isn't in fact a motivating factor as much as it is a real statement of the result of keeping the commandment. You see, in fact, Leviticus 20 verse 9 sheds sheds a little light on the living long part because there it says, anyone who curses, which would in fact be the opposite of honoring, anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Now, thankfully, we do not face the death penalty, but I think it speaks to how seriously God takes the honoring of our parents. Those that honored their parents, in essence, would see the promised land. Those that instead cursed their parents, they wouldn't. And so God isn't promising old age here, but he is promising that the entire nation will continue to enjoy living in the land as long as the covenant is kept. And those children who discarded their parents' faith and treated them with contempt, that they would face disastrous consequences. So there is a promise and a reason for us to honor our parents. The second one is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Now this is a, a parallel passage of the Ten Commandments, and it has another reason. It reads, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, So it sounds very similar to Exodus 20. So that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That little phrase, that it may go well with you, speaks volumes, doesn't it? In essence, when we honor our parents, we enjoy the emotional stability which that relationship is intended to provide. And that's a good thing. Now, obviously, in some situation, there's so much pain and brokenness, and you may, may be thinking, you know, that, that doesn't describe my life at all. There was no emotional stability. It did not go well for me. And this is really hard, and it's not easy. I understand that. But it doesn't change what God's intent was and the place of honor our parents should have. God is grieved by hurtful actions of abusive parents. But we should also consider the long-term effects of being embittered towards our mom or dad. And that pain that we carry, the bitterness that we might be holding on to, does in fact have a deep effect on our well-being. And so it's not that far off to say if we honor our parents, it may go well with you. And we just have to navigate that and wrestle out what does that look like in these various situations. Well, another reason, we flip to the New Testament, Ephesians 6, verse 1, where Paul simply says that we should honor our parents, that we should obey them. He says, because this is right. It's just the right thing to do. That's what we do. And then Colossians 3, verse 20, Paul says that children should obey their parents for this pleases the Lord. I think it's always a good thing when our desire is that we bring pleasure to the Lord by the way that we live our lives. 
And so here's just some straightforward and good reasons for us to honor our moms and dads, right? It enables us to live long in the land, that it may be well with you. It is the right thing to do, and it pleases the Lord. Now, in my study, I came across another good reason that we should honor our parents, and it's not specifically in the Bible, but I think you will appreciate the the intent of this story. In her book on the Ten Commandments, Smoke on the Mountain by Joy Davidman, she retells one of Grimm's fairy tales. And I'm just going to read it for you. It's not very long. It says, Once upon a time, there was a little old man. His eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware distressingly, missed his mouth with the spoon as often as not, and dribbled a bit of his food on the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married son, nowhere else, having nowhere else to live, and his son's wife was a modern young woman who knew that in-laws should not be tolerated in a woman's home. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with a woman's right to happiness. So she and her husband took the little old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they set him on a stool and gave him his food, where there what there was of it in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day, his hands trembled rather more than usual, and the earthenware bowl fell and broke. If you're a pig, said the mother-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough, and he got his meals in that. These people had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond. One supper time, the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. I'm making a trough, he said, smiling up for approval, to feed you and Mama out of when I get big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and didn't say anything. Then they cried a little. Then they went to the corner and took the little old man by the arm and led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair and gave him his food on a plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded when he clattered or spilled or broke things. Now, the moral of the story is obvious, isn't it? Honor your father and mother, because one day you'll want your children to do the same to you. You see, our children are watching. Our children will learn to honor us by observing how we honored our parents. And that's pretty sobering, isn't it? How we live our lives is being often watched by the little eyes around us. So then, ultimately, how do we honor our parents? I've curated some ideas. Most of these are probably pretty obvious. You can add to the list. Um, But I think most of what we might come up with together might fall under one of these five ways that we might honor our parents. Number one, love them. I mean, it seems so obvious to say that, but how do we actually love our parents? Um, Some of you may be familiar with the work of Dr. Gary Chapman, the five love languages. He's made a bit of a a business out of it. You know, there's a five love languages of children, the five love languages of teenagers, and love languages of parents, and there's multiple books, but he basically has one point, and uh, and that is how we show our love for each individual is going to be a little bit different, dependent on what their love language is. 
And so that's part of our role, I think, as children, is we figure out what is our parents' love language. And he lists things like acts of service, where we recognize that our actions would speak louder than words. Sometimes just going over, cutting their grass, or taking care of their yard, or whatever it might be. Those are ways that we express our love for our parents. For some, they would like to receive gifts. Um, I never quite understood this. My dad loved shirts. He just did. And, and, and when, when somebody's like 85, 90, what, what do you get them? And, uh, and so we just kept getting them more shirts. And there were more unopened shirts in his, in his closet. Like we literally laid them out on the bed after, uh, you know, we were cleaning up his house. And it was like, have at it. Now, none of them were my size and I didn't really like his style, but he loved getting shirts. Um, that was just, just a thing. But be creative with that, you know? Um, what do you, you know, you sit there and go, ah, they got everything. They don't need anything from me. Well, there's probably really creative ways that you can do that. You know, Tina, in the last couple of years, she would make a, a, a yearly calendar with pictures of our family and then, and then send it to her dad. It didn't, t- didn't cost much but time, uh, collating some pictures together. But he would always get that, and he'd be so thankful and would be in a prominent place because he lived in Florida, he didn't see his kids. And so it was just such a practical way of uh, demonstrating love uh, for an elderly parent. Quality time, of course, uh, is, is a gift for some people. Whenever I w- visit my dad, I'd be there for like what seemed like an eternity, and I'd get up to leave. He's like, oh, you have to leave so soon? Um, but he just wanted that time together. Words of affirmation where we verbally express our love and care, physical touch, right, affection. You know, it's kind of funny watching my dad through the years because, you know, my dad wasn't affectionate at all when I was a kid. Um, He was German after all, right? Like, it just wasn't anything that he did. In fact, Tina joked that when she met him for the very first time, she comes from a very affectionate family. She went to hug him. She goes, it was like hugging an ironing board. I mean, it was just... But you know, in the later years as he got along, I often didn't leave without hugging him, maybe even kissing him on the cheek, and sometimes and always saying, bye, Dad, love you, and always hearing, love you too. We love our parents. It's a way of honoring them. Think about how you interact with your parents in that way. Secondly, Seek to understand them. Seek to understand them. You see, most parents, yours and mine included, are simply trying to do their best. And sometimes they just aren't maybe very good at parenting, or maybe they didn't have a great upbringing themselves. But I do believe that very few parents are intentionally hurtful. And when we seek to understand them by asking questions about them growing up, how did they grow up, what was the experience like, and asking them questions about the challenges they faced growing up, we might be surprised at what we discover about their lives, and it helps us to understand them. I know for me, this was a a really big piece in my relationship with my dad, just coming to understand kind of why he was the way that he was. And when I was a kid... He was just super protective. I mean, he was a bubble parent before bubble parents existed, right? And he was always worried about something bad happening. And it just would frustrate me as a kid because, you know, my friends would invite me to go to the lake with them. And it would be like, no, you can't. People drown at the lake. I was like, really? And it was just like that all the time. 
But as I sought to understand him, I discovered a trauma that he experienced at age 16. Coming home from church, horse-drawn carriage in Poland, his mom has a heart attack, falls off the wagon, and is dead on the side of the road. And he and the person that was riding the the horse-drawn wagon had to lift her in the wagon. They get back, and they literally had no time for a proper burial because at that time, 1945, the Russian army was coming through. And so they had to flee. My aunt told me that story years later. My dad never talked about it. And she said he didn't talk for two weeks. So you can imagine the trauma that he experienced. Even the whole circumstance of war and all of the death and destruction that they experienced in his own life. In his own life. And it wasn't until my late 30s when I had this aha moment and I put some of these things together and it helped me to be way more empathetic toward him and understand that how he had been impacted did impact me growing up too. But now I understood him and it was helpful for me. So I'm just saying, whatever it is, seek to understand your parents. It doesn't excuse some of the frustrating or hurtful behaviors, but I'm telling you, it helps us to understand why they may have acted in a certain way. And when we understand them, thirdly, we can accept them. Romans 15.7 makes this general statement, but I think it applies to our relationship with our parents. Just accept one another, accept mom and dad, then just as Christ accepted you. Think about that. Just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. You see, that's true in all of our relationships, but it applies to our parents as well. Our parents aren't God. We know that. They're not perfect. We know that, but then neither are we. And every parent wants to know that they're accepted, and we accept them by expressing our thanks to them, by going out of our way to make them feel worthy. We accept them. Fourthly, we then respect them. I've used this word already in the definition of what it means to honor, but, but let's unpack this a little bit. What does it mean? Now, we might, in fact, understand disrespect a little bit better. So let's think about some ways that we might show disrespect, and then if we just turn it around and do the opposite, then we have respect. But sometimes as kids, and I've seen this, we, we mock them, Right? We make fun of them. They don't understand technology the way that we do. And, uh, and we give them a hard time about it. Don't do that. Or we disrespect them when we criticize or, or grumble. Or we live with a sense of entitlement. And said, why couldn't you be more like this or that? Or simply when we speak unkindly of them. You know, sometimes you're with your buddies in the locker room or on the golf course, and you're like, yeah, my old man. Well, it's just disrespectful when we speak about them in that way. Or when we call them like we would a friend or a teammate, you know, it's, hey, Bob. And I know Anna would every once in a while just say, hey, Norby. (laughs) Kind of miss that now. But there's always a sense of, you little stinker. (laughs) I'm dad. It's a term of endearment, and there's affection involved in that when we acknowledge the relationship in how we speak to one another. 
Now you can probably think of a bunch of other ways to respect them, right? We just show them common courtesy. They invite you for, for dinner and they say a certain time and we're on time. We show respect to that. We acknowledge that. Or we respect them when we look at them, when, we're, when they're talking to us. I mean, which of us parents haven't felt the sting of a child that ignores us and we have to get their attention and say, look at me when I'm talking to you, right? Mom and dad ever have to say that to us? And we respect them when we ask them for advice or input. Now, we don't have to always have to do what they suggest, but it shows a sign of respect when we just say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And one more. We forgive them. This may be the hardest of all. Because every parent has failed their children in some way. We're all broken in some way. We sin and our sin hurts others. But God extends his love and grace and mercy to us and we in turn then extend it to others. And so we're recipients of God's kindness and forgiveness. And so we too ought to extend that to others, especially our parents. We might be carrying hurts and wounds around with us. We might even unsuspectingly pass those along to our own children. And so we need to be healed. And that healing often starts with forgiveness. And that can be hard, especially when the other party, you know, isn't sorry. Or maybe your parent isn't even no longer alive and you still live with this hurt and unforgiveness. But for our own good, if for no other reason, we need to forgive unconditionally. When we talk about forgiveness, it's important, I think, to remind ourselves that forgiving is not forgetting. You see, sometimes people hold back from forgiving because they, they incorrectly assume that if they forgive, they will have to minimize the painful things that happen to them. And it's not true. Forgiveness allows us to move forward. And it's not about forgiving or wiping it away. It's about letting go of some of the, the root of bitterness that is actually deeply affecting our own well-being. And so obviously we obey the fifth commandment differently at different stages of life. If you're a young child in here, you're in junior high or senior high, you know, you, you look at your parents, you have a, maybe a particular attitude in mind uh, towards them, and, um, and then you become a teenager. And now your parents aren't so wise and you don't think they know everything and you're kind of on to them at that point. And, um, and so you probably interact with them a little bit differently. And then when you become a young adult, your interaction again is quite, quite different because now there's a maturity in your own life and you can do some of the things that we talked about and you're, maybe you're more interested in about, hey, dad, tell me about that time when or tell me about your experience there and you're, you, you relate on a different level when you're a young adult. <clears throat> and then for many here today as we're adults, and I know right now, <clears throat> having not that we've ever kind of come through it, but 
you know, we had lived right in the, the, the crucible of the sandwich generation for, you know, the last five or ten years, having young adult children that were living at home and caring for them, while at the same time caring for our, our elderly parents, and my dad in particular. <clears throat> and so there is these changes throughout our life, and wherever you're at this morning, I just want you to think about that. Like, what does it mean then for me today to honor my father and my mother? You see, there is never a time in life when this commandment is outdated. I believe it's always relevant. In fact, most scholars would say that the fifth commandment is primarily addressed to adult children. And there's a real practical requirement for honoring our parents. And when you think in that day, they didn't have social security. They didn't have the other social, you know, networks and stuff uh, that would help our parents. They lived in multi-generational homes. And so it was a very different day and age for sure. But we must now in the 21st century discover what does it mean to live the way of honor? How do I honor my father and mother and care for them? even in their old age. And like all the other commandments, we blow it. We miss the mark. We need to be forgiven. We need Jesus. We need the Spirit to help us live the way that God intended for us to live. But if we want to follow God's way to live and to life, this abundant and flourishing life, we can start today by considering What does it mean to honor my mother and my father? To honor your mom and your dad? I hope that you have lots of good table conversation today or maybe even in your own home. Maybe your kids are old enough to have this conversation about, let's talk about our relationship. Let's talk about the things in the way that we treat one another. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just the relevancy of your word. We think about a commandment that was written thousands of years ago and how you, knowing what was best for your creation, laid out this pathway. Not to restrict us or to rob us of joy. In fact, you had already released your people from captivity. They were free. But now you gave them boundaries. You you gave them a way to live life in a way that would help them experience life, experience it to the full. Of course, Jesus, we know that that abundant and flourishing life comes when we understand the gospel, and that it's not just for eternity, but it is for today. And that we live our lives dependent upon you. We live our lives in trust and obedience to you. And then we come to those places where the proverbial rubber meets the road. Father, I want to pray for for people here today that thinking about their parents is in fact a painful experience 
Father, all I pray is that by your spirit you would bring hope and healing and comfort where there needs to be forgiveness, where there needs to be understanding. I pray that you would just reveal that, that you would give some this morning this, that aha moment. Oh, that's why they did what they did. That makes sense to me now. I didn't understand that when I was 12 or 14, but I do now. Father, for those who this morning are just rejoicing at the relationship that they have with their their parents, that there's really a, a relationship of mutual honoring. And it's good and it's right. I thank you for those. And so Lord, wherever we may find ourselves today, pray that we would be a people who understand that even when you call us to live a certain way that we don't always do it. We sung earlier that we're people who are prone to leave the God we love. And so even though you lay out a pathway, sometimes we think we have a better way. And we step out of your will and your way and we no doubt suffer the consequences one way or another. So Father, I pray that what we would hear today is a message of hope, a message of healing, a message of freedom that comes because we have the opportunity to come to you because you accept us, you forgive us. So, Lord, may we be people who, like Moses commanded the Israelites, be holy, just as the Lord your God is holy. And we look for ways of living that out in the practical day-to-day lives that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.